thank you for being here today and thank those that that watch or listen online. And I want to remind those that are listening online that not only our church, but most of the churches around our communities are about half, have about half of what we've normally had. And so I know there's some people who faithfully listen online and maybe you go to another church, uh, you attend your church and or you're not attending your church, but you're listening to our church. Your church needs you to give. Uh, every church needs you to continue to give and to continue to be faithful. Um, and we would ask that you continue to do that as well here if you're uh, listening. Our congregation has been faithful and the Lord has, has provided. Uh, but if you're getting a blessing out of the service by listening, then... You can contribute. You can go to our website and go to the donate button on our website. It's very easy and very secure. This morning we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture from the Old Testament. You might wonder if uh, if things turn out always like God says they will. Will God punish me for my sin? Is God keeping up with what's going on in my life? Is he watching what I'm doing? Will there be a day when I'll have to give an account to God uh, for something that I've done? That The story today is going to show you that. From 2 Kings, 1 Kings, I'm sorry, chapter 22, we're going to begin to read in verses 34 through 37. It seems like just an accident, just something that happened, something that was rather random. Now a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. That means in a crevice, in a little spot, in an open spot. He's covered up everywhere but there. That one little spot, uh, the arrow went in. So the driver of the cha- he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. The battle raged that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot in front of the Arameans and died. Uh, at evening, then a cry passed throughout the army close to sunset, saying, Every man to his city and to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. The king's name was Ahab, but this was no random incident. This era was the era of providence. I'm going to make four statements about that era today. And those four statements are going to serve to be the outline of the message, and I will show you the scriptures that support them as we go through. First, this era found a man who had sinned against God. Second, it avenged a man who was committed to God. Third, it fulfilled the word that had been spoken by God. And fourth, it discovered a man who was hiding from God. So let's consider that first point, uh, that it found a man who sinned against God. And so to do so, we need to turn back a chapter to chapter 21 of 1 Kings, beginning to read in verse 25. It says, Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. And he acted very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. So it just simply says that Ahab was a notorious sinner against God. Is there anybody not a sinner? 
No, all of us are sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But rarely, rarely does the Bible speak about a man the way it spoke about Ahab. He sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Does that mean that he sold himself to the devil? Yes, and to anyone else who would help him keep his kingdom, keep his position. And the devil in Ahab's life, we're going to find out, is personified by his wife, Jezebel. Jezebel was also a wicked woman. She incited him to do evil. She discouraged him from following the Lord, the God of the Bible. She wanted no part of that. And so as a result, her husband sold himself to do evil. So this era that seemingly randomly just hit Ahab in a crevice of his armor and took his life was not chance. It was the era of providence. Three years earlier, it had been directed by the finger of God, guided by the eye of God, finding its God-appointed target and accomplishing its God-appointed task when it hit Ahab in the crevice of his armor. It was the era of providence. Now, sometimes we think that nothing bad is going to happen to me. I have sinned against God. Nothing has happened so far, and nothing is going to happen uh, in the future. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the sons of men the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. So if lightning didn't strike you in the last thunderstorm because of the sin you committed against God, you may assume that God has forgotten or that God doesn't see or that God is powerless to do anything about it. But the arrow of providence flies silently, and though you do not see it coming, it may be speeding your way. The era of providence is that thing that God has appointed as the penalty for your sin. So, what crime was it that Ahab had committed that made him the target of this era of providence? Well, the second thing we need to consider is that this era avenged a man who was committed to God. Here's the crime. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 1 through 4. Now it came about after these things, the after these things is before the arrow flies. This is leading up to what happened that caused Ahab to be the target of the arrow of providence. After these things, Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is close beside my house, and I will give you a better vineyard than it in its place. If you like, I will give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab came into his house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned his face away and ate no food. Like a little boy who'd been deprived of his big dog, he pouted. 
He cried. He was sad. So, but Naboth was not going to give his vineyard, his land, to Ahab because this was what God had given him. It was his little portion of the promised land, and it was not to be sold. It was his by divine appointment. He would not trade what God in his providence had given him, nor would he sell his soul for opportunity for something bigger or better. He considered he already had God's best. And as a result, Naboth's commitment chafed the king. His convictions rebuked the king. His refusal to compromise insulted the king. Naboth said, the Lord forbid me. And the Bible did in Numbers chapter 36, verses 7 through 9. The Bible expressly said, no land is is to pass... is to pass from tribe to tribe. It's not to be sold. And so Naboth would not violate what God had said even for a king. But that happens every day. Every day somewhere someone is tempted to sell themselves, to violate their commitment to God for a little more money, for a little popularity. They will will sell their soul for a vote if it will get them elected to any specific position. And so here Naboth stood his ground even though he knew that Ahab and Jezebel were vicious enemies of all of God's people. As a matter of fact, Jezebel had taken it on herself to exterminate all the prophets of God from the land. She had even tried to kill the great prophet Elijah. So there's no one like Ahab, the Bible says, who sold himself to do evil. And then there's no one like Jezebel. Let me give you a little paragraph from R.G. Lee's great sermon, Payday Someday, the way he described Jezebel. She was the polluted reservoir from which the streams of Ahab's iniquity found mighty increase. She was the poisonous pocket from which his cruel fangs fed. She was the sulfurous pit wherein the fires of his own iniquity found fuel for intenser burning. She was the devil's grindstone which furnished sharpening for his weapons of wickedness. And so in verse 5 we find Jezebel his wife came to him and said, How is it that your spirit is so sullen and you're not eating food? So he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now reign over Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be joyful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with Ahab's seal and sent letters to the elders and nobles who were living with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and seek Naboth at the head of the people, and seek two worthless men before him, and let them testify against him and say, You curse God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. It was a plot. It was a plot to destroy first Naboth's reputation, and then to take his life so that Ahab could have the vineyard. It happens still today. Someone's reputation gets destroyed torn down, maybe in a Senate hearing uh, on 
the, the, a person who might serve as a justice to the Supreme Court, maybe on somebody else who, who's just trying to be what God wants them to be and do what God wants them to do, and someone attacks them to destroy them, to destroy their reputation based on their commitment to God and their refusal to compromise what God has clearly told them to do. And so they, they stoned Naboth to death. They had false witnesses come in and say, he's cursed God and the king, and they stoned him to death. And then verse 14 of chapter 21, they sent word to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. That, that is the thing that caused that archer to pull his arrow and to shoot it at random, directed by the eye of God and the finger of God into the crevice of Ahab's armor. Three years earlier before it happened, it was the judgment of God that had been passed upon Ahab's life before the soul of Naboth passed from earth to heaven. Third, this thing that happened, this arrow of providence, confirmed a word that had been spoken by God. Chapter 21, verse 16. And it came about that when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. And he did so without a shred of remorse, without a twinge of conscience, to walk around that little piece of property, to look at where he might plant his vegetables, never thinking that the blood of Naboth had been spilled, had been shed, and he would be held accountable for it. But God was watching. He was watching Ahab. He's watching you and me. God watches what goes on in the halls of Congress. God watches what goes on in the Oval Office, in your office, and in my office, and in your heart, and in my heart. And God will hold us accountable for what we do. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, I tell you that every careless word a man shall speak, Jesus said this, he will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Verse 17 of 1 Kings 21, when Naboth, the moment he set foot in that vineyard, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise and go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, where he's gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your blood, even yours. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. From that day forward, Ahab never heard a dog bark that a cold chill didn't run up his spine. He never saw a strange dog look his way, that he didn't break out with a sweat for fear of what that dog might do. But as you know, as time went by, his guilty conscience began to heal, and Elijah's words began to appear a little less credible to him than they seemed at first. So one year passed, and then two years passed, and then that third year passed until the bark of dogs no longer brought dread to Ahab's heart. And then came that day on the third year when he 
rode into battle, and that arrow found its target. It found a man who sinned against God. It avenged a man who was committed to God, and it confirmed the word that had been spoken by God. But fourth and finally, it found a man who was hiding from God. Look at verse chapter 22 again. We'll go back to where we started. Move a little higher in the chapter, verse 30. We're going to read verse 30 through 38. The king of Israel, who is Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, he said, I will disguise myself and go into battle. You hear that? I'm going to disguise myself so nothing's going to happen to me. Nobody's going to recognize me. I'm going to hide from this, that, or the other. I'm going to hide from the judgment of God, whatever it is. Any danger, I'll disguise myself. You put on your robes. And so the king of Aram commanded the 32 captains of his chariot, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel. So when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat dressed in his royal robes, he had on his uniform, I guess, for battle. They said, That's the king. And they chased him. And they tried to kill him. And then they recognized, This is not Ahab. This is Jehoshaphat. We're supposed to be looking for Ahab. And then the Bible says in verse 34, it was at that moment that a certain man drew his bow at random, just at random, took that that arrow out of his quiver, put it on his bow and just said, I'm going to shoot where it lands, I know not where. And it struck Ahab in the crevice of his armor. He died in that chariot. His blood ran into the bottom of the chariot. They took the chariot back to Samaria and washed it in the pool of Samaria. And the dogs came. The Bible says the dogs came and licked up his blood according to the word which the Lord had spoken. Now Ahab had no plans to die that day. He had no plans to meet with the judgment of God. And perhaps you have no plans either for something to happen to you or for God to inflict some judgment upon you for your sin. But did you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the good news about what the Bible says is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. But you know what the Bible says a couple of verses later? He who believes not is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Ahab was condemned already on the day he set foot in Naboth's vineyard. He allowed Jezebel to write those letters in his name, to seal them with his seal. He was guilty for the death of Naboth. And you know what the Bible says about you and me? That Jesus died in our place on the cross. That means he died for you. Whether you wanted him to die for you, you didn't ask him to die for you, but he died for you. He died on account of your sins and my sins. He died for your sins. And so one day, the judgment of God, like an arrow of providence, is coming, is coming. It will find the man who has sinned against God. Who has sinned against God? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It will avenge the death of of the Son of God, it will confirm the word that is spoken by God, and it will find you no matter where you hide from God. There is a judgment of God coming upon our world 
coming upon those who've sinned against God, whoever they be, whether they hold the highest office in the land or the lowest place in the land. The judgment of God is sure. How do you stand on this day in relation to God? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know Him personally? Are you safe? Will you be spared from God's judgment? The only place to hide is in the cleft of the rock, the hollow of God's hand, at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Nowhere else will do. Let's pray.